It's a privilege to be standing before you here and to uh, speak to you from the Word of God and to share with you. I've been contemplating the message since I've learned that it's my turn to preach. It's been about six weeks. Um, generally, I'm good at the short hauls, short messages or mini sermons, five, ten minutes. Not long haul, like an hour and a half, like Matt mentioned. Just kidding. This... So today I'm aiming for the shortest message award. Matt will quote me on this. This gives me yet again another appreciation for Matt and what he does every week, uh, preparing for a service like this. Again, uh, definitely excited about that. Searching deep in my soul about what I'm confident to speak on, and better yet, what the Holy Spirit uh, wanted me to speak on today, after much praying and through my daily reading in the morning, um, reading in the book of Acts and the incredible revival of the church back then has experienced, I believe the Holy Spirit got my attention about that uh, topic. That would be, uh, what would be our church role today as a body of believers? It was more for me, um, and I pray that you'll find it encouraging as well. We'll start with, what if you were given 30 days to live? How would you spend those 30 days? Would you just go do the craziest jumping off of an airplane type of a thing? Or would you um, just travel to the place that you really, really, really wanted to go to before you die? A group of pastors... Obviously, you can imagine the response is a little different. They were in a retreat, and they asked the same question of them. What if you were given 30 days to live? How would you spend it? Of course, the first one stood up and says, I will just go and door to door in my neighborhood, and I will preach. I'll tell them about Jesus, every one of them. Another one said, you know, I'll probably walk in the streets, and it doesn't matter who I meet, young or old, it doesn't matter what their situation or their status is. I will just boldly speak to them about Jesus, and I will say, save yourselves. And, of course, there's the last one. He said, I will spend it with my mother-in-law because it will be the longest 30 days of my life. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I love my mother-in-law, and I'm sure I would probably come out of it proficient at sewing. In all seriousness, I know you sh I should be preaching from the Bible, and the Bible gives us a glimpse of what the new life of those believers in the early church looked like. I would like to invite you to open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, um, and if you don't have one, we have the red Bibles here at the church. They, we will be on page 1689. And we will read Acts chapter 1 from 1 to 8. This is Luke speaking. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about that all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs 
that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or date the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The book of Acts, uh, Luke is the author, and he's speaking, writing to Theophilus. It details the beginning of the new church in the first century, and what would be the connection between the life of Jesus to the life of the church. Much like starting a fire, you start with few sticks and twigs and kindling, and you keep adding onto it until it becomes roaring fire that we benefit from. That's how the early church started, with very few people that expanded the church to Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. Nothing more exciting than um, watching and experiencing a new believer comes to Christ when you watch him and see him being on fire for God. Once an individual is exposed to their true meaning and value in Christ, their worth and the salvation that there is no condemnation and that Jesus died on the cross for them, that their shame and guilt was wiped clean, they, they, they go crazy. Nothing can contain their excitement and joy and boldness in sharing God's good news of salvation with anyone. I know a friend of mine, Sammy, he's a Muslim convert from, from Iraq. I haven't seen a Christian like Sammy in the boldness that he, just the vibrant attitude that he has. He's willing to share Jesus with anyone. On his way out, checking out line, he would share Jesus with the cashier of any place he goes to. It doesn't matter, a gas attendant. And I've experienced that. And there is nothing you can do to, to tame that excitement. And the Bible is full of stories like that. And, and many of them have the same response. Praising and glorifying God for His redemption and forgiving them of their sins. Much more to be including them in the book of life. Into His family and writing their name in the book of life. In Acts chapter 2, we get a glimpse of that. How the church became like that. Acts 2, 42 to 47, we read, these are the new believers. They, de they, devoted, they devoted themselves to the apostles, to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had been, who, who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Amazing. The book of Acts contained also um, eyewitnesses, the account of those that actually were there and, and, uh, and witnessed um, 
by the power of the Holy Spirit, the church grew. The gospel was preached all the way to Rome. It expanded from Jews to, to non-Jews to 39 cities and 30 towns and islands. Let me ask you this. Is it possible for the gospel to be preached in the White House? How about in deep, dark Muslim countries that they don't allow Bibles? Yeah. How? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit granted and gave them power to do that. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, we see the fulfillment of, those, of Jesus' words. When the day of the Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly the sound like the blowing of violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. <clears throat> they saw what seemed to be the tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Jesus gave his disciples a mission. The mission was to tell the world about him. Yet Jesus knew that they would need power. Power for them to accomplish the mission he gave them. He knew and even told them on many occasions that, that it's not going to be an easy task. This mission, and you will face many obstacles and many trials. Often we find ourselves in the same, same boat, except we would want to go and do things on our own, with our own will, with our own power, forgetting that we have that same power that it's granted to the, to the apostles, to us. That same spirit and the same power Jesus gave to his, to his disciples, he gave us as believers as well. The Holy Spirit here, in, in many occasions also in the Bible, is referred to as the counselor, the advocate. John 14, 25, Jesus says, speaking, All this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father sent in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Have you asked the counselor for help? Whatever your prayer request you have, or maybe a petition, or maybe a new job that you're looking to get, or perhaps a business or an investment, have you considered asking and seeking the Holy Spirit? I'm guilty of that. Many times I have done things on my own, trying to push God aside, saying, nah, I can't, God is not going to be wanting to be involved in this. This is so simple. I can take care of this. He, he's probably not going to keep up with the market up and down. Yeah. It wasn't an easy task, Jesus knew. And later we learned that their faith was really tested. After Jesus' ascension to heaven, the disciples, I believe, were left with mixed emotions. Sad, happy, maybe excited or scared. I'm sure they were wondering what's next in life. What are we called to do? What should we do? Yeah, now what? And Often we find ourselves in the same exact state in life. Here in America, we call it midlife crisis, but no, it is not. 
You see, after we confess our faith and love and loyalty to Jesus, we tend to complicate and question ourselves. What am, what am I supposed to do? What now? I believe. Now what? Should I just keep going, doing the same thing I'm doing, go to work and continue on with my normal life as it is? I'm sure if Jesus wants me to tell someone about him, he will make it happen. Or I don't have time, you see. Or maybe I'm not, I, I, I'm just not equipped. I'm not trained. Or I don't have the words to speak. We just read in John, Jesus reminds us that the Holy Spirit will teach you and remind you of all things I have said to you. And friends, we sometimes do complicate things. We figure out how can I just approach this individual and tell him about Jesus. Do I need to read a book or get a certification of some sort? When Jesus said to them, to his disciples, all you have to do is tell him what I have told you. Tell them the stories and the things you've seen, the things you've read, the things you've heard. I don't mean to challenge you, but what about you? Every one of us in here, are you intentionally making that a priority in your life? Friends, I believe you and I are on the same mission too that Jesus gave his disciples. It's also for us today, individually and as a church. They had this mission to tell the world about Jesus of Nazareth, the most influential rabbi. And they wasted no time. They started right there and then, heeding Jesus' words. We read in Acts chapter 2, Verse 29 to verse 40. This is a long passage which I will read to you. But it summarizes what the power of the Holy Spirit is and looks like after an individual is really willing to listen. This is Peter. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God and had, had promised him an, on oath that he would place one of his descendants on this throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke to the resurrection of the Messiah. But he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God had, has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father and the promised Holy Spirit, and has poured out what you see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool of your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the, whole, and the other apostles, Brothers, what, what, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Yeah, pretty amazing. We learned that what was ordinary disciples with the power of the Holy Spirit, thousands came to faith. They were focused. They were on a mission. They had the mission they received, the power of the Holy Spirit, but there was still one more element to this they needed. Earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, they heard Jesus' words um, teaching the crowd. The disciples were there. Jesus was speaking on and teaching to seek the kingdom of God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Much like Matt does for us here with the children's message, it is also God's words for us. You see, they were there. They did hear Jesus, and they were astonished by his teaching. To seek means is to actively and proactively be looking for something to pursue it. I also believe, again, these words are for us today. We must be proactively seeking the advancing of the kingdom of God. I believe that's the foundation for all of us today. The disciples had the foundation and the power of the Holy Spirit they needed to take on the mission. The foundation, again, was to seek the kingdom of God. To seek the kingdom of God is to intentionally focus and fully experience relationship with God. You might say, brother, I'm doing all right. I pray every morning. I read my Bible before I go to bed, and I even help my neighbor with her chores. These are wonderful. To seek the kingdom of God is to be fully committed. Yes, usually through avenues we know, um, and the avenues has provided us such prayer and meditation on his word. However, seeking the kingdom of God does not stop there. It also includes sharing the fruit of relationship with God with others through things like evangelism, practical giving, expressing love to others through whatever means God has specially gifted you or directed you to do. Seeking the kingdom of God on a daily basis requires us to change our thinking. Once we get our minds off of the needs and necessities of this life, we are in some way elevated above that, then we will be able to see clearly what the kingdom of God is. A practical example of that I shared yesterday with the elders is to perhaps make every effort centered around that. You glance through your daily chores and your calendar invites, meetings scheduled, phone calls, once you're able to see every one of those is an opportunity to share the gospel with the individuals you're with, that's when you know you have been elevated above your needs. We try to figure out how do we can put 
God, how we can make God fit in our lifestyle. How can I make God fit in my daily routine? When we are doing it backwards, we're supposed to be constantly on that mission, constantly thinking and seeking of ways how I can be sharing God's word with others today. And that's what Jesus said. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And he didn't stop there. He said, and all these things will be added unto you. Jesus continues on, says to, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Jesus knew what will come, and friends, these words are also for us today. Does the news or Facebook posts or tweets or chatter on the street worrying you, discouraging you, or maybe hindering you from carrying on the mission to telling others about him? Do not be anxious, he reminds us. Seek first the kingdom of God. He will take care of this broken world. Well-known evangelist Gypsy Smith was once asked after delivering a sermon to a group of African Americans, what color are we going to be in heaven? Shall we be black or white? Gypsy Smith immediately responded, we are going to be just like Christ. We tend to focus on our own things and desires and worldly elements. What is in it for me? I can share with others only if, and we keep adding conditions, we need to be fully committed to advancing the kingdom of God. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. God asks us to seek him. That's commitment. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate slow to anger, and abounding in love. And he relents from sending calamity, Joel 2, 12 to 13. That's commitment. When was the last time you fasted for someone to know Christ? Spouse, a child, brother or a sister, friend or a neighbor? Friends, do you want to see and experience true revival? Do you want to see difference in your life? Young and old, I believe on our knees as a church and seek Him who is able to satisfy our hunger for Him and overflow us with His presence. We need to be radically changed. You see, we're in a battlefield, not just a walk in the park. We are on a mission, the same mission Jesus gave to his disciples, now to you and me, to tell the world about him. 
In the battlefield, we must be on guard, constantly ready with the full armor of God. Our mission is to spread the good news and to tell as many as we can about Jesus. Jesus constantly prepared and reminded his disciples and us that it's not his kingdom. This is not my kingdom. My kingdom is not of this world. In my mind, I almost see it like a movie. We're carrying tents. Traveling through life, backpacking, if you would. You're meeting and you're interacting with people on every time you, everywhere you go. There is nothing on our minds other than consistently seeking to tell people about Jesus and what he did. And moving on continually progressing towards where we're headed. Sharing the gospel and carrying the mission is not just the pastor's job. It's for all of us, soldiers in the almighty God's army. Are you willing to commit? It's a commitment. Also in a the battlefield, there will be wins and there will be losses as well. Discouragement, ups and downs, yeah, keep going. It's a commitment. We stand up and we carry on. Trust me, I am included. I've been definitely challenged when I started reading these words. I know you're here and you're listening and agreeing with me. I'm sure we're also asking the same question. What's next in life? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do differently? Do you know of someone in your family that doesn't know Christ? Maybe again, a coworker that you chat with during lunchtime and you're shying from sharing with them the gospel, perhaps a friend or an employee of yours or a student. Yet I believe the mission is clear. We need to start with the foundation of seeking first the kingdom of God. Is God and his kingdom a priority in your life? He promised us that all these things will be added unto you. He knows what we need. Once we seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness, this means that all our being is focused on just that. Every day we wake up, and go about our business as a priority. We are supposed to see God's kingdom first, taking every chance we can to tell the world about him. We need to adjust our daily focus, constantly looking for ways to share the gospel with others through means that God has already given you as a teacher, a farmer, a computer dude, a pastor, a truck driver. God has given every one of us 
these abilities not just because we are good. I think Greg will be good at his job. Let me put him there. No. I believe God has placed every one of us in this place, in this community, for a reason. God has given every one of us the ability to do that. To see beyond our needs, to see beyond our wants, to see beyond our desires. God knows all of that. And we have this thug that keeps on reminding us, hey, the mission is that way. There's lots of attractions on the way. We need to be fully committed. All our being committed to him and his work. Not to cut us off from the world and go become monks. But God has placed again every one of us to do his work. Once we make that a priority in our lives. Jesus asked his disciples and now asking you and me. Are you in on this business? You see, it's either you're all in or not. I have personally tried that before. It doesn't work. Either we're all committed or not. But I'm busy, you say, or I, now I have kids. What should I do with that? Or maybe I'm advanced in age. I, I can't. Or I have a very successful business with lots of employees that I need to take care of, or a farm, or even a ministry. What are you holding on dear to you? What's your excuse for not sharing the gospel with others? What's holding you back? Jesus' words are clear. And in many occasions, he mentioned, do not fear. I will be with you always. I will remind you the words to speak. Have you ever considered that these people you have not shared the gospel with might die and go to hell? We smile in their faces. And maybe we're friends together, and you know for certain that they are, they don't know the Lord. Romans 10, 12 to 14, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blessed all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the, on the one they have not heard, believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? We need to be those messengers. Are you willing to be one of those messengers? Friends, we need to refocus, readjust our thinking, and not lose the sense of urgency. There is no time to waste. 
It's okay if you were distracted for a little bit. It's okay if some things along the way got your attention for a while. It's time to stand up, shake the dust, put on your backpack, and continue on with our mission. I would like for us to take some time to pray. Go ahead and close your eyes. Um, bow our heads. We'll, we'll be done in just a few minutes. Don't think of your spouse or your children or chores or bills or anything else. Just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you, convict you, reason with him, and ask him, Lord, show me what my role is. Ask the Holy Spirit to remind, um, to remind you of maybe that old friend or a family member that you long gave up on sharing the good news with them. A co-worker that you know, nah, he will never get it. I am pleading with you to not give up. There is no time to waste. And if you're new here or haven't committed your life to Jesus, there is still time. You can do that right now. Tell him that you're sorry and ask him to forgive you your sins and accept you in his family. He promised that he will forgive your sins and give you a new heart, a new beginning. And if you've already committed your life to Christ, I'm praying that today you will gain new strength, a new refreshing commitment by committing yourself fully to him who gave it all for you. He didn't spare his only son. He took all our sins, our shame and guilt on him so we would be free to deliver the good news of hope to those who desperately need it. Father, help us. Help us, Lord, as a church, not to lose hope, not to lose sense of urgency. Help us not to conform to the pattern of this world and feel comfortable, but to gain new strength today to carry the mission that you gave us. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen.